river an image of pastoral bliss, and if one let one's eyes rise, there was the soaring vision of King's College Chapel. It was the lack of noise that caused him to slow down. Suddenly, the Spaniard realized his servant was no longer with him. The man and the baggage horses he controlled had veered off for some reason. He was on his own, pounding through the meadows. Then he heard other hoofs, a single horse racing towards him. He turned, lashing his horse with his whip, and the fiery pain of pure fear shot across his chest as he saw who it was pursuing him. The servant had reined in the baggage horses and was waiting quietly by a little copse of trees. From out of those trees two men had erupted, one a burly man on a squat but powerful horse, the other a slighter figure superbly mounted on a grey. The grey was leaping ahead. The Spaniard knew who its rider was, guessed, in an instant and far too late, that the English servant had been in the pay of this young man all along, had warned his master of the Spaniard's departure. Real fear then clawed at the Spaniard's belly. Yet he was no coward. He yanked his horse round by brute force, drew the sword at his side, and ran at the young man on the grey, sword extended like a lance. If he had hoped to surprise his adversary, he miscalculated. In a second, his opponent had extended his sword, and the two men rode at each other like medieval knights at the joust. The Spaniard fixed his eyes on the Englishman's heart, determined to plunge his sword into it. Seconds before they met, he made the mistake of looking up into the young man's eyes. They were cold, hard, and his sword seemed to be pointing directly between the Spaniard's eyes. He had him. The Spaniard exulted, feeling his blade heading inexorably towards his enemy's heart. Yet, at the very last possible second, the young man swayed his body aside with an impossible athleticism and sank his own sword into the Spaniard's neck. The shock of contact should have ripped the sword out of the Englishman's hand, yet somehow he held on to it. His sword cut through the sinew and muscle of the Spaniard's neck until it met cold air, half decapitating the foreigner whose eyes opened wide in surprise. He toppled forward slowly on the still galloping horse, ludicrously, comically, arm still outstretched, holding his sword. Then, as if time had been slowed down, the sword dropped from the nerveless hand and the Spaniard slumped over the side of the horse, foot caught in the stirrup. His body and half-severed head bounced on the hard earth until his horse felt the drag on its side and reluctantly came to a halt. It was pleasantly cool in the meadows of Granchester, the sky a hard blue. The spring breeze fluttered over the grass, the smell overpowering as the sun gently warmed the earth with the early morning heat. The river burbled cheerfully nearby, neither the angry flood-torrent of winter nor the sludgy, torrid stream of high summer. The birds were singing their hearts out at having survived the winter, the beauty of the sound hiding the reality that their song was a savage defence of their territory. It was Henry Gresham's birthday, and he, the rider of the grey, had just killed a man. The body lay in the grass, distorted in death, mouth agape in a silent scream. The man's complexion was swarthy, and from behind the torn doublet a set of hidden rosary beads could be seen. He was only a Spanish spy, of course. Was that meant to make it better? Gresham was handsome, 
and something in his stance said that he knew it. He was tall, thin-hipped, and broad-shouldered. A shock of black hair over a striking and chiselled face, sweat-stained. And now he was a murderer, standing over his victim like a statue carved out of marble. Mannion, an oak tree of a man, perhaps five years older, stood silently by Gresham's side as his young master threw up a poisonous yellow bile, obscenely splashing the rich green grass. Mannion waited patiently. Finally, when there was nothing left in the stomach, he spoke. Stones and some rope. Gresham looked up. You can't take the body home, Mannion said flatly, and you can't leave him here. There's stones on the bank. There's rope in my saddlebag. Gresham stared blankly at his servant. It was always like...